Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Season 9, Episode 12. It's the podcast. We can do what we like. Exactly. Episode 12, you say? Episode 12. And is that a uh, mid-season episode, if, if it's a long season of shows? I guess. this is. Oh yeah, this is like the mid-season climax. Yeah, mid-season break. He's yeah, gonna, although we're not actually having a break. Although no. we haven't done one of these for a while because... I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can never things. When are we going? <laughs> when we're going to have a break? But um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, listen, you should be ready for um, like climactic events because it's the mid-season. You know, we try and keep you interested because it's mid-season. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not no spoilers, but I mean, you're going to be blown away by tonight's episode. Blown away. My by name the is amount a- of rambling <laughs> chat on this one. <laughs> My name is Andy <laughs> Balam, and this is Andy Cockerell. And the thing that we're going to talk about eventually after some rambling tonight is... <laughs> is a movie right. called Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. Um, Which I will say, before we continue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. does contain descriptions of some very adult themes. Okay, okay. So... so And th- trigger, maybe triggering things. So I just okay. warning for listener... There. Okay, so can we have topic areas that, that that might you might if you need to avoid certain topic areas? Can you? Yes. Uh, so yes, I think sexual assault is the right. main theme of the film. Okay. Uh, and also, yeah, general nastiness by men on women. Basically. Okay. So, listener, yeah. if if that stuff uh, is going to trouble you, then you know, um, don't listen or make sure you've got someone around to look after you or whatever. Um, and also, we'll we'll keep the we'll keep the language from swearing or anything like that. But we'll be talking about adult stuff. So yes, um, there will you, be no there'll be no adult language, but we will indeed be talking about adult themes. Yes. So you know, you might not want to listen um, with young people. Indeed. Oh, yes. all, all that said, I've forgotten the name of the thing, but I still I've promising already, young woman. Promising young woman. But the all I can say is that is definitely a costume drama. It definitely isn't. Oh. <laughs> I like. I thought I was on the money. <laughs> <laughs> Nor is it a rollicking Disney adventure. No, no, I kind of um, assumed not. Yeah. So, uh, do you, are you going to give me a synopsis or? Um, uh, well, no, I failed. It? I failed. Oh, you failed. Okay. So I have some any other business. I have quite yeah, a lot actually, yeah. which I'm going to try and rattle through as quickly as possible. Okay, don't bother. Go slowly. It's a podcast. We can do what we like. So first up, I watch Matrix Four. Right. Now, we Matrix talked about Matrix 4. Resurrections, which is a dreadful title. <laughs> Sorry. We talked about... I mean, it doesn't leave much room for Matrix 5, though, does it? Because Resurrection is kind of the biggest thing. Yeah, where, like, where, where do you, you go, go from there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we talked about this on the podcast, but you hadn't seen yes. it. So now no. you can weigh in. Okay, so my take on it is that visually I thought it was a bit dull compared to the... Mm-hmm. Um, even the sequels. Um right. It didn't have the slightly green, silver green tinge of the original movies. Mm-hmm. It looked very pedestrian in many ways. Right. Um, I mean, what Neo about the, has, the stuff where think, time stood still? Sort not bad. Looking. Yeah, the slow mo. Yeah, I didn't like it. Right. I, mean, I like the slow mo. I guess it wasn't visually spectacular. It was no. No, it's not visually spectacular. The fight scenes, as you said when you talked about it, mm. are not well done at all. They're damp, aren't they're they? Kind of, they're incoherent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they need to. Maybe they need to get the, the folks who did the um, fight scenes for John Wick, who also did the fight scenes for The Matrix. Right. That's who they need to get on board with. Those really. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but plus points. I really enjoyed Keanu New Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss yeah. uh, as Neo and Trinity and their relationship and the and the point in the movie when when she finally realizes who she is uh-huh. and who he is uh-huh. is incredibly powerful. Yeah, cause because they're actually pretty good, aren't they? Because they have great chemistry together, and that they—it's a strong, strong performance. Interesting there. that because they didn't have a lot of chemistry in in the Matrix, did they? Not really. The, no, it's quote, all very cool and glasses and stuff. Yeah. To quote Pitch Meeting, um, uh, so what? You know, why do they get together? Do they? Is there a lot of um, you know, common <laughs> ground between them? They're the Not main really. characters. Yes, they have to. Yeah. <laughs> um. I enjoyed Doogie Howser, MD, yeah. as the the analyst. I thought he was good value. He's, I mean, he's worth it. I also I thought enjoyed he was Jonathan. genuinely ambiguous. You didn't know he was a baddie straight. From yeah, him. definitely. I enjoyed Jonathan Groff as as a new iteration of Agent Smith. Right, I even barely his, remember that. I think it was even useless. though his motives seemed to be muddy and ill conceived. I thought he his performance was solid. Okay, I just uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed just the callbacks. Callbacks to the original movies, right. although I thought, as you said, the guy who plays the Merovingian looked like he was in a different movie. <laughs> in fact, at one point, he looked like... Uh, there's an episode of Monty Python where Michael Palin runs up to the camera and says, It's... <laughs> he looked like episode, he was auditioning for that. Um, That's the beginning of every episode. No, it's not. It's just one of them where he does that. Well, there's, not, there's always someone yeah. who says it's... Yes, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, so that was laughably bad, <laughs> I thought. Uh, I thought that the whole stuff in the human city was a waste of time. They didn't need to go there yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. They could have they could have delivered all of that stuff without actually going there. Right. Uh, it was way too well. long. Way too long. Two and a half hours. They could have trimmed half an hour. On the plus side, it did have an exploding helicopter. It did. Yeah. To me, the, my abiding memory of it, having thinking back on it now and after listening to what you're saying and mostly agreeing with you, is just that I like I like the broken humans and the rest I'm of it. I'm yes. Yeah. The rest of it, I could live without. But I think yes. both both Keanu and, I've forgotten the name of the lady who plays Trinity. Carrie-Anne Moss. Carrie-Anne yeah. Moss played, played those like adults who... You're supposed to be sorted when you're an adult, and actually that's when you get broken. <laughs> yes, and they, they really convey that sense of brokenness, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Also, Neo has new powers that are not explained. Like what? And he can stop bullets. He could stop hand. bullets before. That's what he did in no, the he first couldn't. movie. He could not. Oh, no, could he? Oh, yeah, he could, couldn't he? Yeah. Yes, What's you're right. The real, but he kinda, real thing to explain is what happened to him in... In all the times in the movies where he doesn't just completely <laughs> magic it, yes. why not? <laughs> <laughs> why haven't you done that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right. So you're absolutely right. So in the first Matrix, he stops bullets. He puts his hand up like in this. In this one, yes, in this one, he's really trying hard to stop them, which is why it looks like a different power. Right, right. Okay, okay, okay. He's sort of, um, you know, he's really concentrating on it. And in this one, Trinity can fly inexplicably. Yeah. Yeah, but he uh, could fly. They could no. They could both fly. Can they both fly at in the, the end of three? I think. Oh, okay. 
No, or two. Or... It's been a while since <sighs> I've seen those. Anyway, there's, there's one. There's a, one of them where the ending is the two of them flying off. That must be the end of the second movie because they're superheroes now. Okay. All right. So it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was yeah. too long. What it I think. Fine. I think what I think someone should do is go through the scene where they, you know, they have that scene saying, "What would the what should the Matrix Four be like?" Yes. Oh, it should have, um, uh, like the bullet time, and it should have blah, and it should have blah, and just tick off because presumably all those things that they say in that room they then do in the movie. Yeah, although they don't do bullet time very well. Well, but, but that the whole frozen yeah. time is supposed to be that. Yeah, so, but it's not good. It's not that, but yeah. No. Um, anyway, point is, that someone should go through that scene and just make sure they did do all those things. Make a, make <laughs> yes. a five-minute YouTube video just saying, yep, did they it did deliver? that. Yep, they did that. Yep, yeah. they did that. I would watch yeah. that. Okay. So that's that. I've put that to bed, I right. think, Matrix right. 4. Right. Right. Uh, the next thing is the Academy Awards. Right. So just I'm before not we move off Matrix 4, yes. sorry, will you, will you go see Matrix 5? Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah, if it I mean, comes I, out, it's going to take. It's going to be very difficult to stop me going and seeing whatever they put out under the matrix. I'd watch name. it because I'll I'll watch anything these days with Keanu New Reeves in. That's, yeah. yeah, it's sad, but I'll just keep on paying the money. All right, sorry, the Oscars, the Oscars. Yes, uh, I'm not going to discuss the elephant in the room, the thing right. that happened, because right. that's been discussed at great length. There have been plenty of takes everywhere else. Yes, what I want to talk about is the rise of the streamers. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think. It's not that unusual these days for streaming services to get films nominated for awards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a great deal of sniffiness and looking down the nose at it from the traditional movie studios. Right. Because they see them as being, well, it's television. It's yeah, television. I mean, they've always it, looked down on television, haven't they? Yes. It's television and it's been released at the cinema, but it's still television. It's still people mm-hmm. are watching it at home. And they, I mean, they still look down on it when television was producing all the best stuff, like... Um, yes. Sopranos and The Wire and whatever. But this year, we have, in the best picture category, I'm just going to do a roll call here. So we have Coda, which was the winner this year. It's a film I haven't seen. Right. Don't Look Up, which was Netflix. So Coda was Apple TV. Okay. Don't Look Up is Netflix. Uh, and The Power of the Dog is Netflix. Okay. So that's three films in the best picture category that oh, are from many? streaming services. Uh, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, okay. So previously, let's say five years ago, there'd be no yeah. films yeah. from streaming services. Yeah. Um, so Coda is the little film, or it's not a little film. Um, so this year, you know, a film from a, an entertainment, what is now an entertainment behemoth, mm-hmm. one best picture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Apple TV is, they have serious funding behind them. So, mm-hmm. um, I so, haven't heard yeah, of any of those things. Okay. Um, and directing, so Jane Campion won for The Power of the Dog, which is a Netflix film. Right. So, to my knowledge, that is the first time that a streaming service has won. Uh, a big, you know, two big awards there. Interesting. Yeah. And the that presumably that's overcome the bias of the uh, the judges who are from the movie industry, right? So I think 
what's driving that is uh, something we've talked about before, which is the Oscars So White campaign. Uh-huh. And the, the Academy trying to get younger, more switched on people, uh, people of colour, um, LGBTQ folks onto the Academy right. to widen the appeal and to get films in there that may not previously have got in. Mm-hmm. And this may well be a facet of that. Right. Is that, yeah. you know, uh, it's quite a big deal. People under 70 um, quite often watch Netflix. Yeah. So so we've got Jane Campion winning for The Power of the Dog. That's in the Best Director. Actor in a Leading Role, uh, nominated. We've got two Netflix nominations there. Wow. So we've got Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog and Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. So those are both Netflix movies. Right. Um, and... So that's up there uh, with, with, with like one of the major studios, right? In terms of number of yes, nominations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actor in a supporting role. Um, again, we've got a winner for Coda, which is the Apple TV film. So this is a big deal. And we've got two actors uh, in the supporting role who, who are also in Power of the Dog. So in the actor in a supporting role is dominated by streaming services. Well. Yeah. This is a big deal. What does it mean? I mean, wouldn't it be great if they were like plucky upcomers, but actually they're enormous. But they're not. They're enormous behemoths. You know, um, Apple's one of the richest companies on the companies. planet. Yeah. yeah, I think Apple is the most valuable company on the planet. Most valuable company, but not, yeah, not the richest like, individual person. But yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. If you multiply the number of shares by the share price, I think Apple is the biggest. So the way I th- the way I feel about it is, is that a movie like Coda, <clears throat> which is a movie about a uh, a young girl who uh, suffers loss of hearing, so it's a mm-hmm. similar kind of story to um, Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. uh, but but is living in a family uh, of hearing impaired people, so mm-hmm. they have never had hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a film like this maybe a few years ago, would have probably rocked up as an indie film. Mm-hmm. Would have struggled a bit. Might have got some awards on the indie circuit, but probably wouldn't have troubled the Academy Awards at all. Yeah. But one of the things that's important for the Academy Awards is lobbying. Is mm-hmm. you know This is the kind of thing that convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein was very good at. Mm-hmm. Is basically just leaning on people and saying, you know, you can vote, vote for this film. This film's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got Helen Mirren in it. It's fantastic. You know, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and Apple, of course, have deep pockets. So they can go to all of those events and they can say, oh, this is our film Coda. You should check it out. It's good. You know, and it's that kind of thing that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is a big deal in that case. Right. Uh, and I kind of think that I don't really have too much of a problem with it. No, I mean they're massive. They're massive corporations, but it's a different set of massive corporations, which is probably yes. better than just carrying on with the same old set. Yes, it's it, what it is doing is shaking up the industry in quite a big way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, really have an issue with that at all, mm-hmm. um, because because the movie, the movie industry, because of the way it seems to work now, is that franchises are king, 
you can't get anything mid-budget made because people just aren't interested in anything that's original and mid-budget. Mm-hmm. So, so lower budget things get made, and then the franchises get made, and then mm-hmm. there's nothing else being made. Mm. That's a massive generalization, but it is kind of true. Mm-hmm. So the streaming services have the facility to make those mid-budget things. Right, because there's a niche there. Yes. Yeah. Because they know they can, they can push it on their own service um, and get, get their money back. Just yeah. From, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah from something that's not like a complete splash exactly that it, that it would be if it was characters everyone already knew or whatever yeah it makes sense but, but I, what I wanted to talk about uh, just the just for the end of this talk about the Academy Awards is the technical categories okay so this year <clears throat> instead of presenting them as part of the ceremony uh, they presented them before the ceremony okay. before the the TV broadcast started is that because they don't care about them Yes, basically. Yeah, Brilliant. it's not glamorous enough. So you know, you've got your, you know, your VFX artists and your costume designers and people like that, and mm-hmm. they're thinking that the audiences don't want to watch that. Maybe they should organise for some kind of punch out on stage. I mean, punch out, punch that, up. Didn't punch something up. like hap- that happen anyway? <laughs> so. I mean, they should get like a sound designer to get up and like slag off cinematographers and then yeah have a fight. They can have a fight, yeah, that's right. But I wanted to talk about Dune, a film uh-huh. that we both enjoyed a great deal. Yeah, yeah. Dominated in the technical ca- categories this year. Uh-huh. So one for cinematography, which is, I think, richly deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, one for film editing. Mm-hmm. It won for music. So I thought the soundtrack was terrific. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to judge when I went to see it in, in the cinema with such incredible... Sound, so, yeah, it so it won good. for the soundtrack and for the sound design. So, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, both those they things were kind of the same, weren't they? It won for production design, which is also pretty stunning. Dune. No, what's production design? Oh, so what the sets look like, what the, okay, what the costumes okay. look like, so everything basically, okay. you know, costumes. What does the whole good. movie look like? Yeah, very good. In fact, the whole thing. I just immediately forgot it was a film and just thought it was. Filming of real, what, yeah, was actually there, yeah. uh, and it won for VFX, which is again, right. Um, <coughs> it was up against two Marvel movies, No Time to Die. Well, I thought the VFX in that were fine, mm, and Free Guy, whatever. And Free Guy was Free Guy's okay, good, but I think I, mean, I would have thought the effects are were that difficult for on the grand scheme of things. I think but again in June, the yeah, the <clears throat> I, I totally forgot. That there were VFX. I thought I was just watching a sandworm yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Because it just looks utterly compelling and real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that is my take on the Academy Awards. Cool. Yep. So what? Like, we... So Rise of the Streamers and Dune won everything in the technicals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Rise of the Streamers, Dune won everything technical. And they didn't and talk some about people it. had a fight. <clears throat> but we don't talk about that. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. Promising Young Woman. Okay. Okay. Is that it was 2020? It Is that it for rambling? That's the rambling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Rambling's right. done. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, we'll probably do some more at the end. Okay. Yeah. We always talk about The Walking Dead. Well, there's we, Walking so. Dead to not talk about much at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Promising Young Woman is a 2020 black comedy thriller film. Okay. 
Yeah. Sounds, I'm already, I'm feeling positive about it. Okay. Uh, written, co-produced, and directed by Emerald Fennell, although I would call her Emerald Fennell, but she, uh-huh. she prefers to be called Emerald Fennell. Well, so. I, think, I think you should use her preferred name. Yes, we are going to do that. In her <laughs> feature directorial, directorial debut. Right. And it stars Kerry Mulligan as a young woman haunted by a traumatic past as she navigates balancing forgiveness and vengeance. Uh, it also features Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Clancy Brown, the Kurgan from Highlander. Do you like Highlander? Um, I, I yes, but I have no okay. idea. I don't, I don't think I've only seen it once. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge, Laverne Cox and Connie Britton in supporting roles. Uh, so it had its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival in January 2020. So in the uh-huh. just on the cusp of the before times. There, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And was the theatrically released in December 2020 when things started to reopen somewhat. Okay. <clears throat> right. uh, it was supposed to be released in the summertime, but wasn't. Yeah. So, uh, it received positive reviews from critics... And grossed 15 million worldwide. So not much, but because that's because cinemas were shut. So Right. Um, is it indie? It, uh, is it an indie? Yes. Okay. So that's pretty good for an indie film, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, it won Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards 2021. Okay. But was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Film Editing. So, you know... That's why I've heard of it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably um, why I thought it was a costume <clears throat> drama. Anything that gets that many nominations at the Oscars with a name like that. I mean, that. it does sound like one, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember when, when people were started talking about this and it had Kerry Mulligan in, I was thinking, yeah, that, 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 that sounds like a costume drama. And then I heard about it more and tried to avoid spoilers and things like that because right. it was really intrigued by the sound of the movie. Right. So I went into this pretty much cold. Excellent. And I'm glad I I'm glad I did as well. Yeah, so I won't be doing that. <clears throat> um no you won't. No. <laughs> Unless you can uh, do a men in black on yourself and wipe your memory. I mean generally I do tend to forget things pretty easily, so fair enough. Yeah. So Kerry Mulligan plays a woman called Cassie Thomas who is a 30-year-old medical school dropout. She lives with her parents. She works in a coffee shop. Um, seven years earlier, her classmate, Al Munro, raped her best friend and classmate, Nina Fisher. And there was no investigation by the school or consequences from the legal system, which caused Nina to commit suicide. So this is the stuff I was talking about at the top of the pod. This right. is quite serious adult stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Cassie, played by Kerry Mulligan... Mm-hmm. Spends her nights feigning drunkenness in clubs and bars, allowing predatory men to take her to their homes. She then reveals that she's sober and she threatens them. She blackmails them, basically, and says, you need to be nicer to women, horrible man. And then leaves them with their guilt and feeling horrible about themselves. So she's quite messed up. Yeah. She's quite messed up. Very safe. No, I know it definitely isn't. No, I'm not sure how effective it would be either. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, okay. Um, I'm not sure it is all that effective. I just think she's incredibly angry. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
She goes on a date with another former classmate who mm-hmm. is now a pediatric surgeon, mm-hmm. played by Bo Burnham. Uh, this is a guy called Ryan Cooper, who mentions Al, who's the guy who did the mm-hmm. sexual assault, is getting married. Um, and she begins to a plan to exact revenge on Al and all the other people who are responsible for him getting away with what he got away with. Right. Um, she needs, She meets another former classmate, Madison McPhee, who continues to deny that the sexual assault even took place. So you said this is a dark comedy? Yes. Black, a black comedy? Yes, absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, let's say it's pretty dark. It right. goes to some very dark places. Yeah, I'm as struggling you will, as to, you will to think where the humour comes from, but I guess it's the dialogue or... Yeah, the dialogue is pretty sharp and snappy. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, I'll go into that um, in, in a minute about mm-hmm. motivations and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she starts to target people. She starts to try and, you know, push buttons. And she t- next targets Elizabeth Walker, who, is the, who was the school dean, mm-hmm. who dismissed the case for in quotes, lack of evidence. Right. And she lures her teenage daughter into her car, posing as a makeup artist for a popular band. And then she meets Walker, the dean of the college, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> under the pretense of resuming her education and questions her about Nina's case. And when Walker explains away her actions... She tells her that she dropped Amber off at a dorm room with drunk male students. So there's some serious nastiness going on here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Walker then later apologises for her inaction. And Cassie reveals Amber is safe at a diner. So she didn't do what Mm -hmm. she did. She She was trying to get information out of her. Yeah. Um, She then cancels a date with Ryan and instead again lures a man into taking her home. And as they're walking out of a bar, they run into Ryan, um, who doesn't really know what's going on and thinks that she's sleeping around on him. Right. So, so that kind of not, backfires. She's not making good decisions. No, she's making, I would say, increasingly bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he then visits Jordan Green. Hey, Ryan. Who is, uh, Cassie visits Jordan Green, oh. who has played an uncredited Alfred Molina, who is just, Terrific in everything that he does. Um, I think I know. Uh, maybe I'd recognise him. I'm sure you would recognise him, yeah. yeah. He, he made his movie debut in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. A long time ago. Yeah, That is a long time ago. Um, there's a lovely little anecdote about that. When, when he was on set, he'd never been on a film set before. He'd only done theatre work. And he didn't realise that the marks on the floor were for him. Uh-huh. Um, and he kept overstepping it or not stepping on the mark. And the mark is there so that you're in focus. Yeah. Um, and so Steven Spielberg was getting increasingly frustrated with this. But because of the way film sets work, he wasn't saying anything to him. Right. He was just, he was just getting exasperated with it. So in a sort of break of tradition, the cinematographer took him aside and said, Alfred, you're doing such lovely work, but I just want to say that the marks on the floor are for you, darling. All right? So you've just got to make sure you're there. All right? Okay? And uh, so then he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I understand now, yeah. 
and the rest yeah. is history. So, <laughs> I thought that was very nice of the cinematogra- cinematographer to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There needs to be a lot more of that in life, especially in uh, uh, multicultural environments where people's uh, social uh, cues are different and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Cassie visits Jordan Green, played by Alfred Molina, who is Al's lawyer who harassed Nina into dropping the charges. So we're starting to see Mm -hmm. it all unravel now. Mm -hmm. Jordan Green is remorseful. Um, He hasn't been practicing law because he had a nervous breakdown. Cassie forgives him. And after visiting Nina's mother, who urges her to move on, Cassie abandons her revenge plans. Okay. She apologizes to Ryan and they fall in love. Yeah. Right. Um, so then, um, she attends Al's bachelor party, dressed as a nurse, a a stripper, (laughs) basically. She hasn't, she hasn't quite walked away. No, she hasn't walked away from it, no. It's, it's a pretext, basically. Mm -hmm. She's luring people into a sense of, oh, everything's fine now, kind of thing. Um, she drugs his friends and takes him upstairs handcuffs him to a bed, and eventually reveals who she is because he doesn't recognise her. Uh Um, And as she prepares to carve Nina's name into his abdomen, he breaks free and and he suffocates her with a pillow. Now, this is the the point in the movie where you think, has that actually happened? Or is that like a fantasy? Is that... Are we going to wake up and she's still alive? Right. But the next morning... His best friend, who was drugged, comes upstairs to find her dead in the room. Right. They dispose of the body. Um, Her parents file a missing person report and the police begin to investigate. Oh, wow. So we're only just getting started. Yeah. Uh, But Ryan tells them Cassie was mentally disturbed and does not tell them she was going to the bachelor party. So he's covering up for, Mm -hmm. for everybody. Right. But then later on, at Al's wedding... Ryan receives several scheduled texts from Cassie. <laughs> right. And um, and he is shown receiving a package from Cassie with the phone, with the video of Nina's sexual assault and instructions to follow if she does not return from the bachelor party. Right. Um, and then Cassie's manager finds a half heart-shaped necklace with Cassie's name under the cash register. And Cassie was wearing the matching half with Nina's name when she was killed. And the police discover her burnt remains, because they they burnt her, and the necklace, and arrest Al for murder, as Ryan receives a final text from Cassie, signed with her and Nina's names. So, this is a tough watch, in many ways. I mean, it lulls you into... A sense of, oh, it's just a bit of a jolly jape. She's a bit messed up, but everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then she turns up the, up at the bachelor party, yeah. and everything just goes pear-shaped really quickly. Right. But we realise that she meant for it to go pear-shaped. Right. Um, yes, which is, I think, very disturbing that yeah. someone would do that. Um, so she's actually texted him from beyond the grave because that's yes. kind of the plan all along. 
Yes, implicating him in, you know, basically saying he did it and he did this as well. Yeah. Um, very disturbing, incredibly triggering, I think. I think yeah. it wound a lot of people up, this film. Right. Um, I think it wound a lot of men up who feel triggered by this kind of thing. Um, and I thought it was incredible. I think it's one of the most thought-provoking films I've seen in a long time. Right, I mean, you like things that really shake you and yes. and sort of hurt you, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I do, yeah. I, I want to be... I want... I want well, not all the time, but sometimes I want a film to push buttons. Yeah. And I want it to shake me up and, and you know, shape my worldview and, and give me a wake-up call about stuff. Right. And I think this film deals with a lot of issues about... Toxic masculinity, which is a phrase that's used a great deal, but is absolutely true in this case. It deals with someone, you know, we're, we're told, I think women in particular are told after they've been through a traumatic event to just move on with your life and just, you know, just forget about it. Uh-huh. But Cassie is absolutely not forgetting about it. So I feel like this is contrasting with... Um, um, Oh, help me out. The the series with that we uh, discussed with Hannah Dunleavy. Oh, The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. So we, we that, that that series of Handmaid's Tale, which dealt with kind of not deciding not to move on and not to. Yes. Uh, this feels like this deals with it in a way that is uh, actually kind of moving the conversation forward. And um, whereas I feel like uh, Handmaid's Tale kind of just expressed one emotion and didn't really didn't really make you think very much. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think this does make you think about the way that privileged white people can get away with a great deal if they've got the right connections. Um right. actually no, should I rephrase that? Privileged white men can get away with a great deal mm-hmm. if they've got the right connections. Mm-hmm. And even if you know Cassie, who was at medical school, is clearly not poor at all. You know she's got wealthy parents. Um, she is just utterly messed up and knows what happened, but nobody will listen to her. Mm-hmm. But she knows what happened, uh, and she spends the in- the entirety of the film trying to convince people of what happened and she does get a confession out of a couple of people and the point when she decide when we think she has decided to just say okay i'm happy with that i'm going to move on now um is the point at which the rug gets pulled out from underneath us right, and she because we realize that the only way yeah the only way to do it is to sacrifice her own life yes to bring them to justice yeah which is a very common theme in films Yes, it is. Yes, You're left. The only choice is to sacrifice your own life. I think what is what to me what is shocking about it is that when it happens, it happens so suddenly, mm. um, and everything that's happened up to that point, even the bit when she's about to carve Nina's name into his abdomen, is still kind of funny in a sort of horror movie kind of way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when he suffocates her, it, it's suddenly like okay. This isn't funny anymore. Right. The film turns in that way that right. 
that I love when a film changes the mood so suddenly that you're left thinking... It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, You're left thinking, did that actually happen? Mm. Or is it some kind of dream that this guy's having about what he'd like to do? Or maybe she's having a dream about what she would like to happen. Mm -hmm. But then we realised that it did happen. And it's very... It's bleak. It's definitely bleak. But then it's hopeful. But it does leave you utterly, utterly wrung out at the end. Mm. Yeah. I loved it. Sounds very good. Yeah. It's very, very good. I quite like to watch it. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Definitely. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so I think we've probably already explored, like... What its meaning and its uh, or its themes are. So I probably don't yes. need to ask any additional questions. Probably not, no. I'll just read you some of the critical response, though. Because <clears throat> it might sort of sum it up in a way that I can't. But um, So Kate Urbland of IndieWire gave the film a B plus and wrote, Emerald Fennell's raucous debut... Twists its buzzword-laden, spoiler-free synopsis. It's a me hashtag me too rape revenge thriller with bite. Into something fresh and totally wild. The LA Times said the grimly multitasking finale of Promising Young Woman feels both audacious and uncertain of itself. Grimly as Fennell tries to meld a cackle of delight and a blast of fury with a lingering residue of anguish. I think he's talking about the... Oh, those, those three things all happening at once. Yes, exactly, yeah. I think right. it works. I think it works really well. Right. What, what um, are the three things? Uh, so the, the wedding. No, no, the text yeah, what, what, was the, what was the phrase of the... Um, oh. Uh, of the, that review. Uh, a, meld of ca uh, a blast of fury with a lingering, a lingering residue of anguish. And something a else cackle of well, delight. A cackle, a cackle of, delight. of delight. A blast of fury and a lingering residue of anguish. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think they supported uh, Ned's Atomic dust Dustbin, actually. <laughs> lingering residue of anguish. It doesn't all come together, but there's an undeniable thrill in seeing it come apart. Right. Um, and, and then um, Linda Holmes of NPR wrote that Fennell is trying to say something here about men about nice men and about men who think they're nice men or nice enough men. So I think that, that this guy, Ryan, that um, Cassie's been dating during the film is nice enough, uh -huh. but she has absolutely been dating him for a reason. She wants to get to that bachelor party. She needs to find okay. out where it is so she can go there. So that's the whole point of that. Um, so is he his friend then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he was involved in the in the I don't think he did anything, but he was involved in the sexual assault. He was there and he didn't okay. didn't do anything about it. So Okay. Um <clears throat> but she doesn't let on about that at all. Right, right, right. She keeps she keeps their relationship just kind of surface. Right. So that she can manipulate him. Um <clears throat> Terrific film. Really, really enjoyed it. I'd highly recommend this to listener. It, you know, I you know, it is triggering. It's a tough watch at times. But it really is worth it. 
And it, yeah, I, I think it does have, you know, you mentioned The Handmaid's Tale. I think it has similar themes to that in terms of revenge and not moving on. And I mean, the first season of Handmaid's Tale, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say anything comes above above it um, in terms of tackling the themes it's tackling. But um, yes, the third, I think it was the third series that we were talking about, wasn't it? It was, yeah, um, yeah. If, oh, no, if it was, or maybe fourth. Anyway, if, fourth. if it was trying fourth. to tackle, yeah, fourth. It, it was trying. I think it was trying to tackle this idea of when should you. Uh, move on or even forgive to free yourself from the anger yeah when you should just carry on and yeah i didn't feel like it dealt with that particularly well and it feels like this film is much more challenging and interesting on on that topic it really is it's it's a fine fine piece of work yeah those are my thoughts on promising young woman cool i mean that's definitely gone on my list nice one yeah i think it's on a list with um, films like um, Mother. Oh yes, yes, yes. Button pushing and challenging as that film is, and sli- yeah. and slightly unhinged. Yes, definitely. Although Mother is, I think, more than slightly unhinged. Entirely unhinged. <laughs> Entirely unhinged. Yes, I think and it's maybe- one of the most visceral experiences I've seen. What? Yeah, right. Mother is a visceral experience of a film, isn't it? Yeah, the more the more I've thought about Mother, the more I've thought there are actually other films that kind of have that unhinged yes. disaster. Like I see it around now in a way that I felt like when I first watched it, like it was the only thing I'd ever seen that was anything like it. But I think there are yeah. others. I kind of felt the same way about Noah, um, the one with Russell Crowe. Yeah, which I it's really really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah I, really I thought liked it was it. bonkers, but I really loved it. I really liked it. Yeah, and I like. I especially liked its theological musings. Yeah, because they were very correct in terms of, um, you know, what it's talking about. It was very interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, in terms of it, apparently, it's it's quite close to the um, the mythology around Noah. Right. Um, but just the theology of like, um, it seems like God is giving Noah the choice of whether or not to wipe out humanity. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think there are scenes in that. I thought that was great. Um, yes. There are scenes in that where we see the people trying to get on board the ark that are yeah. very similar to the scenes in Mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the visceral, uh, I don't know, just like heaving flesh everywhere. It's just really quite yeah. unpleasant and unsettling. I think visceral is definitely the right word. There's yeah. scenes in both those films that are yeah. visceral. Definitely. Um I just wanted to t- change tack slightly there uh-huh, uh-huh. <clears throat> about when actors are in sort of extreme situations mm-hmm. and they have to try and find a way through that in a movie, um, try and find a way to make it so you can do it every day on a film set. Right. So the 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 actors who were in Silence of the Lambs, the guy who played Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. um I forget his name now. It'll come to me in a minute. And the woman who was in Series 7, The Contenders, the contenders. Yes. is also in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. She was in the the pit, and he was the guy who's uh, who's like yeah. a not a not a transvestite kind of thing. Uh-huh. They were buddies on the film. So they, they consciously said, okay, this is really unsettling stuff. We have to become friends. 
Wow. <clears throat> so when they finished, they'd go out for <clears throat> they go out for burgers and stuff, and just sort of um, nice. completely change the tack of what they were talking about, and just talk about anything else apart from the science of the labs, which right, is what they were try, shooting to try yeah. and decompress themselves from the. So I discovered this on Twitter. So somebody talked about it, and then the actress popped up and said, "Yeah, we were friends on set." Nice. Um, which is really cool, I think. So, was it the main character from um, Series 7, The Contenders? Yes, yeah. The pregnant um, woman. Ted Levine, that's the actor's name. Yeah, he's got a really distinctive voice. Right. Uh, I can't remember the a- actress's name, but the, the, the character she plays is Catherine Trammell, I think. Okay. Listen, if I haven't uh, raved to you recently about Series 7, The Contenders... <laughs> Do so now. Um, watch Series 7 The Contenders. It's an awesome... Like, before Battle Royale... Uh, I, think was, I think it was before Battle Royale. Maybe it was around the same time as Battle Royale. It was after... Yes. Um, after the Stephen King writing as someone else book. Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman, which was the called... The Running Man. The Running Man. Um, but where The Running Man was, a, was about... I don't know what that was about. Um, maybe about how society is getting more something. Um, Series 7 The Contenders is basically about how TV news and stuff is getting more, um, like, blood-hungry. Well, more like it is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a reality show where the contestants get given guns and told the last one standing wins. And uh, it's done like a really cheap news program yeah that's right yeah the movie you're watching is the box set of series seven so it's not even the first series where it was all innovative and cool it's like seven series is in the the producers have made it all before so there's no new ideas and you know it doesn't it doesn't feel at all energetic or interesting like it's so well done seriously um yeah trying to make good yeah you can see the the producers trying to make a storyline and deciding how they're going to play each character the same way that they do in Big Brother or one of those reality shows. I can see the influence that that film would have on <clears throat> on the cinematic versions of The Hunger Games. Right, right, right. right yeah, right, right. definitely. In the way that they, though, at least the first two Hunger Games movies have the cameras following them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah, it's some now- of the movies. It's now like a genre, isn't it? You know, like Squid Game is just the next in the in the genre. And, uh, yeah. Back then, Battle Royale, Series 7, The Contenders, were were like starting that genre. Because Running Man, the movie was so awful, it had yeah, no impact rubbish. on anything. Yeah, it really is bad. The book is great, by the way. Read the book. Yeah, the book, the book is fantastic. In fact, those, the Backman books, as they're known, um... There's some very interesting stories in there, and The Running Man is one of them. Yeah. Right. Indeed. Anyway, tangent. Yeah, no, I, I like a tangent, yeah. Uh, so, been watching any Walking Dead? I'm I'm one episode short, so I think there's one left in this right? tranche of eight episodes. I have um, some. <laughs> so, oh, tranche. I haven't watched... The one that came out today, and then next uh-huh. week is the last one of this tranche. So right, well, I I'm yeah. several behind in this tranche. I'm not sure how many, so don't spoil right. me. No spoilers. I, I think what I will say is show... I think I think they've been very strong. 
Right, that's interesting yeah. because I think the fact that I haven't watched them goes to show I basically forgot that this tranche was running. Right. Um, so I'm obviously not that interested. Okay. Um, I'm not even sure um, what, like, even though the, I thought the whispers were a great idea, but they were very painful to watch. But I did yes. come back because I wanted them to be got rid of or to, to be defeated. Ah, or, now. There's some news on that, actually. Oh, yeah. So the this anthology show that's in the works, that's in, okay. presumably in pre-production at the moment, Samantha Morton is returning as Alpha for that right. anthology show, which I thought might past, happen. Presumably. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What we want She's is a, good. we want a Alpha, and we want the Governor from Series Two. We want we want a mashup of those two. To face off. <laughs> yeah, face off between those two. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be excellent. And Negan maybe. She. Um, um, yeah, because of the bald head, she reminds me of um, him out of Apocalypse Now. Oh, Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an iconic performance. Yeah, it's strong. Uh, so yeah, I've been watching um, the Lord of the Rings movies with my eldest oh, yeah. son. Yeah, and I haven't seen. I I saw the Return of the King about seven or eight years ago. Uh, but yeah, I haven't I watched. Just the, saw them all once at the cinema. I haven't watched the other two for a long time. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I used to be of the opinion that the Two Towers was the best because it's the middle and it doesn't have to do any setup and it doesn't have to finish. Right. So it's kind of quite a pure movie in that way. Right. But I now, having watched Fellowship recently, I found that it had real emotional clout. Fellowship. Okay. And. I now think that that's gone up in my estimation quite a lot because I, I used to think that it was kind of it's a it's a huge setup film. There's a lot of exposition in it, mm-hmm. but I actually think that it's got real emotional he- heft and heart to it, and I enjoyed okay. it a great deal actually. That's um, interesting. So we're halfway through Return of the King because it's very long. Uh, when I watched them, yeah. I thought these are good because I like the horror influence. And yes. they're, they're how I imagined it when I read the book. Right, yes. But, but yeah. I didn't think, any more than that, I didn't think these are life-changingly brilliant or whatever. No, Interestingly, no, okay. Interesting yeah. fact about me is that the I would be quite interested to watch the extended editions just because they're so long and that's kind of interesting. <laughs> they are very good, the extended editions. Okay. okay. Yeah, definitely worth a look. In terms of um, what they add to the narrative, they add a great right. deal. So, uh, but you can see why they cut them down because yeah, I mean, it would can't. have been unwieldy. You can't do it. No, no, you can't. I think Kill um, Bill would have been better as one film. Oh, definitely. Yes, it didn't need to be two. It was self. On the other hand, uh, Kill Bill Part One is quite a lot more fun than two, so maybe it's good that yeah, that exists. But there's stuff you could lose from Part One. Yeah, and you could lose a lot from part two. And you could kind of just do the final scene from part two, and then yes. you'd have a movie. Yes, indeed. Just yeah. part one, and then the final scene of part two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what else? What else have you been watching? I don't think I've been watching anything. Oh no, we did start watching something new. Oh yeah, we started watching The Stand. A Stephen King adaptation, actually. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You love your Stephen King adaptations. I do, I do. So I also love The Stand as well. So I've read... Right. I read it when it... Well, I didn't read it when it came out, but I read it years after it came out. And then I, and then Stephen King released a... 
unabridged version, so with okay. more content, which is even better. Oh, wow. Even though it's a massive doorstop of a book to begin with, it's an even bigger massive yeah. doorstop of a book. So presumably he wrote all that at the time and then it got cut out, is it? Yes, but then you, you get successful and you say, okay, I want to release yeah. the whole thing. So you know, the publisher says, yeah, fine. Um, so yeah, Adaptation came out last year. Uh, that's been in development. I've been watching it closely because it's a book that I love and I wanted them to do it properly. It was in development for a while as two movies, which didn't happen. Uh, then it was a, a TV show again. Then it was one movie. Then it was three movies. And <laughs> various directors have come and gone. Yeah, sounds But bad. they finally, finally did it last year. and As a series? On, <clears throat> yes. And although I think some of the casting is a bit on the nose, mm -hmm. um, the first episode at which chops up the narrative which is very cool so yeah my wife is very very familiar with the stand you know she listens to it quite a lot as an audio book because oh, she right, loves right, it so right. much yeah so she knows it really well and within five or ten minutes she was like oh they've chopped up the narrative that's really cool so right. you know it subverts your expectations so it's non-linear basically right. Right, right, right which is excellent and each episode focuses on different characters because it's quite a big ensemble. Right. Um, so each episode concentrates on two or three characters at a time. Oh, interesting, interesting. That yeah. probably works better for TV if you've got a lot of characters. It's very good. I mean, we, we've had to basically stop ourselves from watching the whole thing because, right. uh, you know, it's just it's a one and done. You know, it's, it's it, on? it was on Paramount Plus, but we got it on disc. So, okay, okay. Yeah. So it was on. It was on a streaming service. I mean, uh -huh. we've yeah. been watching a series called Ad Vitam. Oh yeah, I think it is, which is on Netflix. It's French with subtitles. Yeah, and it's proper sci-fi. None of this like things crashing into each other, Marvel type sci-fi. Right. Actual sci-fi, which which by which I mean it has an idea and it explores it. High concept stuff. Yeah, and the idea is. That we have solved aging, ah, and so you go you go into a little pod and get regenerated, and then you're, you you get younger, or you, you know you you don't age much, right? You can live forever, and what it's exploring is what that does to the youth, who who feel that they're not wanted and that you know, there's no purpose that all they're doing is filling up the world and. The world's already over full. Oh, so, wow. Okay. That's as far as I've got into what, what it's about. But um, it's uh, it seems really, pretty good, I'd say. That sounds a lot like... <clears throat> so I used to read the comic book... Comic... Not comic book. Comic, 2000 AD, which was a week... Uh -huh. Which is still going. Yeah. A weekly um, comic, uh, sci-fi, action, horror for kids and young adults well anybody really um there was a story in that called the dead in which um a society solves the problem of aging and nobody dies uh, but then things start to go horribly wrong because nobody's dying so um, right yeah and that sounds very similar and that that was an interesting show 
I thought it was an interesting counterpoint to um, both um, Handmaid's Tale and uh, what's the thing? Promising Young Woman. Is that no, what you mean? no, no. Um, the thing where no one can have babies anymore. No one can have. Uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale, as well as Handmaid's Tale, is another one. Oh, is there? Uh, oh yes, with, um, with Children them. of Men. Yes. Yeah, Children of Men. Thank you. Yeah. One of my favourite films. Um, yeah, interesting counterpoint to those two, where people can have children anymore, but they also live forever. Right. So um, why do you need children if you can live so forever? The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. How do children fit into this, and especially how do young people fit into this? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. Excellent, and that's called what? Ad vita. It's called ad vitam, I think. Or ad yeah. vitam. So something life. I think. Ad, yeah, I think it's ad astra. It's like, to the stars. So yeah, it's to to life. To, or, to or life. life or, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what ad means in Latin, but something like that. Mm, okay. Excellent. Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah. So the, you go to a little. Like there's there's clinics kind of all over the place for doing your regeneration, and they're kind of slightly seedy. You know, it's kind of right. Obviously, there are posh ones as well, but they've all got this sign of infinity on them. So it's really exploring what it's like. You know, the main character is has been a cop for ninety nine years. Oh wow, that's a long time. And he's he you you have to stop after three terms of thirty three years. So he's coming to the end of his last right term as a cop he's not going to be allowed to be one again because it just messes you up so much presumably i, I guess i don't know <laughs> yeah uh yeah that sounds good that sounds really good i don't know where it's going yet but right i watched about three episodes i guess okay we started watching um a show called reservation dogs uh-huh which is a comedy drama set in a Native American reservation in the United States. Right. Uh, <clears throat> produced and written by Taika Waititi, who we've talked about on this pod before. Uh-huh. Um, yes, good. Very good. Very, uh, very Taika Waititi. So very um, satirical, funny, but very dryly funny. Where, in what context did we talk about him before? He, we talked about a movie called Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Okay. Oh, also, um, Hunt for the Wilder People is him as well. So we talked, right. yeah. Yeah, we've talked about him twice on this pod. Yeah. Right. And what we do in the shadows is his thing as well. Okay. I know you're not yeah. that hot on that, but that's his Didn't thing Didn't find also. that funny. Yeah, I can see because why. It's right, right on topic. I should have really liked it. Yes, I think you should have done. Maybe you should Different. try again. Yeah. Yeah. The TV show, I think, is funnier than the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Mainly because it's got Matt Berry in it, who is a genius. Uh-huh. Anyway, the yeah, so Reservation Dogs is good fun. That's on Disney Plus, if you've still got right. Disney Plus. Right. Yeah, I think we have. <clears throat> it's totally useless. <clears throat> oh, actually, you must Apart have if Walking you've been Dead. watching The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't even got Fear the Walking Dead on it. Or no, that's on Prime. Or the way the world beyond. That's also on Prime, yeah. which I would actually value if it had those on. Well, there I, is know, a, I value having Walking Dead. There, there is a historic reason why the Walking Dead is on Disney Plus. Right. Yeah, 
I think I did talk about it on the pod, but should I, should I talk about it again briefly? Why don't you do it very briefly so we don't very briefly too much? So when um, Disney acquired uh, 20th Century Fox, uh-huh. they also acquired some channels, and one of those channels was the Fox Channel, which was right. on Fox UK, which was on the uh, Sky satellite platform. Right. So they acquired that channel, <clears throat> and that channel was showing The Walking Dead. In the right. UK, right, right, right. and that's why it's on Disney Plus Fair in enough. this country. It's not on Disney Plus in the United States. Oh well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's well. Why. I'm glad it is because yeah. I like The Walking Dead. Although to be fair, I'd probably just get the DVD in a while. But. Yeah, I mean, but you can watch the whole thing on Disney Plus uh, right. series one to eleven, should you so yeah. wish to. Well, I've got all yeah. the DVDs. Yeah. How many DVDs have I got? I've got up to season nine on DVD. What season are we on? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Right. So uh, I think Rick might make an appearance at the end of oh, the really? series. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they're leading up to that. What about um, his wife? What's her name? Rick. She died, yeah. didn't she? No, his new wife, or is she not his wife? Oh, you're the talking lady about with the Negan. sword. Oh, Michonne. Michonne, yeah. Yes, she might come back as well, yeah. Sorry, yes, absolutely. It's, it's been so long wife? since she's been in it, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure if they were married, but... No, probably not. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, maybe. Okay, that would be a horrific cop-out, in my opinion. What, if he returned? If the two of them come back and go, Hi, it's us! And yeah, it's I, like, come so watch I hope, our new series. I hope she doesn't, but I think he might. Right. Because he, we know he's still alive, don't we? Yeah, we know she's... Well, we haven't seen her die. No. No, she got written out very suddenly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Anyway, I've got Uh, nothing else. Anything to plug? uh, Well, so, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it's plugging. Uh, um, This uh, day after tomorrow, so Wednesday, the 6th of April, I'm going to conference... My ACCU conference, ah, in which is a programming conference in Bristol. <clears throat> yes, and then on on Saturday, which was that the 9th of April, I'm doing a talk there about Matrix stuff, which is the stuff that I've raved on ah, about before. Yes, which is what my, what I'm talking about is a kind of how to like how in the kind of code low level code how to send a message on this pl- instant messaging platform called Matrix, mm. um, which is like all open and free and secure and stuff. Um, but then I'm going to talk about what, all the other cool stuff you can do with it that isn't instant messaging because right. actually it's just a, a kind of anything that requires kind of real-time communication type platform. So, yeah, I haven't written a talk yet though and I'm absolutely petrified, which is making it hard to write the talk. But um, yeah, I love the conference, so I'm hoping to enjoy it. And in a few weeks, the recording of the talk will be online, so we'll look nice. at a link to it somewhere. Cool, that's cool. Any plugging from you? Um, I have nothing. Nothing. Cool. That's it. Cool. Well, that's it. Thanks a lot, listener, for tolerating us. <laughs> if you listened, if you listened to the show on the first of April, quite a few people did. We don't know why, so let us know. Yes. Oh, and by the way, tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell both I your friends. That. <laughs> that's it. That's it. See you next time. Okay. Bye bye.